It's been several years ago, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I was uh, in the airport at Colorado Springs, Colorado. I I'd, I'd, uh, had driven out with a group of kids going to CIY out in Colorado, and I drove or helped them drive as far as Colorado Springs, then I flew home, and then at the end of the week I flew back to Colorado Springs to help them get, get, uh, get back, uh, uh, back to Rushville. And so I got to the airport, and I, I had probably two, two and a half hours to kill, um, so, so I, I found a, a kind of a quiet spot near the gate that I was going to, to board later on and sat down and began to read. And while I was sitting there, a, a family came in and sat down. And I didn't pay much attention to it, didn't really notice too much uh, while I'm reading. But, but then I kind of glance over and, and, and I see this family. It's a mom and dad and they have two small children. And I don't know what it was. There was just something about them that intrigued me, just watching them. They're, there was a gentleness in the way they were interacting with their children, particularly the dad, the way he was interacting with the kids, and, and, and a love there. Just, it just intrigued me. So I'm reading, and I'm looking, and then I'm, I'm, I find myself looking more than reading or uh, uh, you know, watching them. And, and it, just was really, it just really touched me. It just really moved me. And, and the thought popped in my head, and I don't know why necessarily. The thought popped in my head, I bet they're Christians. Now, it's not like the wife had a big old necklace with a cross on it or the dad had a Bible tucked under his arm. There was, there was no telltale signs like that, but there's just something about the aura that they had and, and, and their, the way they presented themselves that, that I really thought that. As I continued to watch them, the little, and I assume she was about two years old, had been playing on the floor and the dad was on the floor playing with her. And she had her back to me and I really couldn't see her well because of the seats. About that time, she stood up and turned around and then my heart even melted a little bit more because this, this beautiful little girl was, was a Down syndrome baby. But she had the, the most infectious smile. And, 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 and so I continued to watch even more uh, as this family interacted. A couple minutes later, a lady walked up to them and, and talked with them. And, and I, I couldn't hear everything they were saying, but I, my wife would attest to this. I was trying to listen to what they were saying uh, without being too obvious. Uh, but as the lady walked away, the the dad said to her, have a blessed day. And I knew it. For the most part, only Christians say that. Now, I'm sure there's some non-Christians that say that, but that's, that's almost a code phrase in, in Christianity. When you tell someone to have a blessed day, that's, that's kind of code for, hey, I'm a believer. Are you a believer? I, or I want to share that with you. So a few minutes later, I walked over to the family, and I don't normally do this. This is not my personality. This is not who I am. But I walked over because I really was just so intrigued by this family. I walked over and introduced myself and just told them I'd been watching them and, uh, and just enjoying watching their family. And then, then I asked them, are you guys believers? I said, that's not normally me. Uh, they said yes. Now, if they'd said no, I'm not really sure what I would have said. Like, you should be and walked away or something. I don't know what it was. But... Uh, but they were believers, and, and so I talked to him for a little bit and, and uh, said my goodbyes, and as I walked away, the dad said to me, have a blessed day. Uh, have a blessed day. What, what a cool thing to say. As I walked away, I had a smile on my face, and they couldn't see, but also a little bit of a tear coming down my cheek because I was so moved by this, this family. Have a blessed day. They could have been discouraged by, by their situation, but, but they instead were choosing to bless people. Uh, we're going to be looking today in the book of Ephesians, uh, and, and actually for the next few weeks we'll, we'll find ourselves there uh, kind of walking through, uh, through that book. And the book of Ephesians is a unique book uh, in, in at least a couple ways. One of the ways it's unique 
is that Paul doesn't address a, uh, address a problem. Most of the books that he wrote, most of the epistles, were written in part to address a problem. Yeah, he, he encouraged them, he instructed them, but almost all the other epistles were written to address something going wrong. The, he, he wrote Corinthians, and, and in at least one thing's happening at Corinthians, uh, or in the Corinth church, was, was moral issues. He wrote the book of Galatians because they were struggling with Judaizers, Jewish Christians coming in saying, no, you have to follow this, you have to follow this. And, and so he wrote that, but Colossians, he spoke against some heresies that were, were finding a, a root in the church, but not Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, Paul wrote this simply to encourage, to instruct, and to enlighten them in their relationship with God and with his son Jesus. In essence, what Paul was saying with this book, and, and as you read that maybe over the next few weeks, and I think one of the Sunday school classes is studying the book of Ephesians now, as you read it, Read it with that mindset that Paul is saying to them, have a blessed day. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look this morning at verses 3 through 14. But let me read just verse 3 for you right now and, and answer, is this not saying have a blessed day? Uh, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We could probably just sit right there on that verse and talk about that uh, for, for our whole time together. Paul is saying, uh, have a blessed day. But this morning I want to look further down in the text, and really what I want to look at is two blessings that Paul speaks of. Um, we'll spend a lot of time on this first one. The second one really is just Paul kind of reiterating what he said uh, for the first one. If you have if your Bibles, let's go ahead and read those other verses, 4 through uh just go 4 through 10 right now. For he chose us in him before creation, the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed, uh, proposed in Christ, to be put in effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Now that's some pretty cool stuff, but it actually almost just is, is so, so powerful that it just jumbles together a little bit uh, and, and it's hard to, to, to truly understand. Let's look at what he's saying. Here's the first blessing that he's talking about. He says, we are chosen. We are chosen for something. Now let me, before we go on, let me address this issue. If you've read Ephesians, if you've read this section, uh, you'll see it a little bit in the next section. You'll see it in the book. Paul uses some language that could easily confuse us, could, could bring up some red flags. He talks about being chosen. He talks about being predestined. And, and it throws out some thoughts, some theological stuff there that, that maybe we're a little confused on or, or might, might, might trip us up a little bit. Let me point this out. I believe that Paul's purpose in using that language is really very simple. He's trying to take the focus off of us. So when he talks about us being chosen and predestined, he's, ta he's trying to take the focus off of us 
and putting it back on God. We, we, we see this in chapter 2. We'll look there next week. He really hammers it there because he talks about grace, that we're saved not by what we do. We're not saved by all the good stuff and, and all the church attendance. And No, we're saved but by what? We're saved by grace. We'll see that. So he reminds us of that over and over in the book, that it's not about us. It's not what I've done. It's not what I'm doing. And it's not what I'm going to do. It's, it's about God. Last summer, Reed and I went to a Royals game with our friends Kelly and Lisa Kennedy. Uh, we got there early and we were walking in the, the outfit. Actually, we were headed over to where you sign up for the designated driver thing. Uh, all four of us were going to be designated drivers that night because you get a free small Pepsi from it. So, you know, it's worth the time. Um, so we were headed there, and as we're walking to, to that area, uh, Kelly runs into a guy that he works with. His name was Ray. And he stopped and said, hey, Ray. And Kelly works in Kansas City at the... Uh, um, uh, Kansas City Star, and, and so they talked for a while, and Kelly introduced us to Ray and his wife, and then Ray introduced his wife to, to all of us, and we talked for a second, or Kelly talked to him for a while, and then we left. I don't know, it was second or third inning, uh, somewhere around there, in between, uh, uh, between innings, uh, they came over the, the PA system and said that someone had been chosen the, the fan of the game, and they had his name up on the board. I probably wouldn't have noticed. Excel, except Kelly said, hey, that's Ray. His friend Ray that we had met in, in, in the outfield had been chosen the fan of the game. They had his name up there. I don't remember his last name, but Ray, whatever, fan of the game. He got a seat upgrade, got to, got to move to a really nice seat, and he got some prizes and stuff like that. Kelly was like, wow, that's cool. My friend Ray was fan of the game. And I'm thinking, why not us? Why didn't we get picked? I mean, after all, we were decked out in Royals gear. Kelly had on uh, his favorite, he wears this to every Royals game, and he goes to a ton of them, uh, had his favorite Royals Hawaiian shirt on. It's a Hawaiian shirt that says Royals all over. Every time we go to a game, if you, if you happen to know Kelly, you could ask him about it. Every time we go to a game, five, six, seven, eight, ten people will say, hey, man, where'd you get that shirt? I love it. And he, Kelly just beams with pride because he's got that shirt. I had on a Royals jersey. Rita and Lisa had on royal shirts, not only royal shirts, they had on royals jewelry. Rita had royals earrings and a necklace that said royals. I think she might even had a bracelet that said royals. Man, we looked like royals fans. And Ray and his wife didn't even have royal shirts on. Why, why didn't they pick us? After all, we were committed. Rita's been a Royals fan her whole life. I've been a Royals fan since 1980 after I married her. Uh, Kelly's a Royals fan his whole, his whole life. We have raised three of our four kids. Our daughter could care less, but our three boys are avid Royals fans. Kelly's son is an avid. We are great Royals fans. Why didn't they choose us? Because it wasn't about us. It wasn't about how royal we looked or how royal we acted or even how committed we, are, we were. See, the royals just chose. And that day they chose Ray. You see, it's not, and that's what Paul's telling us here, it's not about us. It's not how good we've been. It's not how much we've done. It's not how dedicated we are. It's about him. And what Paul is saying here is we are chosen. God decided that he was going to offer grace and mercy to us. We are chosen. It's his decision. It's him saying, have a blessed day because you're chosen. 
Well, we're chosen for, and we'll, we'll look at three things here. We're chosen for. Here's the first thing we're chosen for. We're chosen for, and, and we see it in verse 4, we're chosen for sainthood. Look at uh, what verse 4 says. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, now do something for me. Do, do this activity with me, if you will. Look to the person to your right. That'd be that way for you guys. Now look to the person, look at the person to your left. Now, just for the fun of it, glance, see who's sitting in front of you and who's sitting behind you. Now, now let me ask this question. When you think of those people, do you think holy and blameless? Now, I know the sound booth's in big trouble back there, but uh, when you look, do you think, is that what pops in your head, holy and blameless? Now, there's probably some of you that the glance over like, man, the lady beside me, yes, she is a sweetheart. She is a saint. But you're thinking the guy to the other side, I heard him say a bad word last week. <laughs> Holy and blameless, not so much. Or maybe you're looking, the guy beside you is like, man, this guy, this guy has been a leader in this church. He served as elder. He's Sunday school teacher. He is, man, he is top of the notch. But you're looking at the lady beside you and you're like, she's a gossip. She's a gossip. I know that because when I want to know something, I go to her and she's the one that knows it. <laughs> now, now, before you judge too much here, think about the person on your, your right and your left. What are they thinking about you? <laughs> what, what are they thinking about? But, but here's what the passage says. Here's what the passage says. Holy and blameless. We are holy and blameless. Uh, there, there's three ways we can apply this, three... Three applications. I think the first one is probably the, the most important one, probably the one that, uh, that, that, that's most intended here. But I think Paul really has kind of three, three applications. Here's the first one. How, how we are seen. And, and that is how, how we are seen by, by God. Now, what does verse 4 say? Let's look at that uh, again. It says, to be holy and blameless in his sight. What does that tell us is that when God sees us, he sees us as holy and blameless. Um, when you have a newborn baby, and probably happens here at Troy Casey, someone will bring that baby to church, and it's the first time they've been here. Maybe you're out somewhere, and it's the first time you've seen that baby, but they, they bring the baby in, and maybe they've got him covered up, and, and, and you peel back the blanket, and, 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 and you look at the baby. What does everyone say? Ah, uh, and then, but, they, they make, they're so, cute. they're so cute, what a beautiful baby, oh, what a, they might be ugly as all get out. <laughs> our, our oldest son, Brian, uh, you'll, you'll appreciate, my appreciate my wife more after you hear this, uh, was 10, six and a half, uh, 10 pounds, six and a half ounces when he was born. She pushed for two and a half hours. All the blood vessels in her face popped. She looked like she had, I don't know what going on. She, she looked a mess when she finally gave, gave birth. When he came out, and I kid you not, you remember the old Saturday Night Live conehead deal skit? His head, and I'm not, occasionally you'll see kids and they'll be a little, he, I mean, he looked like, uh, looked like a cone. I mean, it was tall. And, and I, I, I imagine we must have had horrified looks because the doctor said, it, it'll go back to normal. It'll be fine. Um, it'll go back. And, 
And so when we took him to church that very next Sunday, and, and, and it was December, so we had him covered in blanket, and someone pulled back. Everyone said, oh, what a beautiful baby. But I know what they were thinking is, oh, my goodness. What is wrong with this child? We, we put a little stocking cap trying to cover that up, but it just kind of went up to a point. Uh, and even if, even if his head stayed that way, and it didn't, he's, he looks fine today. Um, <laughs> He looks great today because he looks just like me. So, no, <laughs> poor guy losing his hair and everything. But uh, even if his head had stayed that way, you know what? When, when we looked at him, we would have loved him and we would have saw a beautiful child. This passage is telling us how God sees us. No, we're not perfect. Yes, we still have sin in our life. But what does God see? Paul says, hey, have a blessed day because when he sees you, he sees holy and blameless. So if you want to today, when you walk out, look, look to someone and say, I'm holy and blameless. Uh, now they may snicker a little bit, but that's how God sees you. What's another application? Uh, second application is how we, see, how we see ourselves. Not just how we're seen by God, but, but another way we can look at it is how do we see ourselves? I, uh, it was about eight or nine years ago, I... Uh, I was sitting in a treatment center uh, across the, the uh, across, sitting across from me in, in another chair was a 19-year-old girl uh, that was in treatment there. And, and, and this young lady was a beautiful girl. Uh, physically, she was, was attractive, very pretty girl, long blonde hair, pretty girl. She, was, she had a, a wonderful personality. She was a sweetheart. Everyone loved her. She... Uh, life of the party type, just caring and regaced. She was just a wonderful girl. Uh, talented. She could play the piano like nothing. I mean, she was beautiful on the, 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 the piano and, and smart, a straight A. She was, she was the whole package. But as I stood uh, or sat in that, that treatment facility talking to her, she made this comment. She says, when I look in a mirror, what I see staring back at me is fat, and ugly. Now that's not what I saw. I saw a beautiful, I mean, she was an attractive girl, very pretty girl. That's what I saw. And literally sitting across me that day was a girl that was real thin. See, she had almost died because of anorexia, had taken over, and, and, and because of what she saw in the mirror of herself. And, and she had starved herself literally almost to death. Her parents looked at her, and they saw a beautiful girl. Her, I looked at her, saw a beautiful girl. Everyone that knew her saw it, but not herself. When she looked at herself, she saw something different. How do we see our, how do we see our self? Now catch this. If God looks at us, and, and even through our failures, and even through our sin, and even through our mistakes, and even through our imperfections, if he sees us as holy and blameless, what right do we have to see ourselves any other way? If God sees us holy and blameless, when we see ourselves, yes, we're going to see the, the failure, we're going to still see the sin, we're, we're not perfect, but if God sees us holy and blameless, how is he asking us to see ourselves uh, holy and blameless? A third way that we could, could possibly apply this is how we serve. In other words, how does the world see us? Now, I know we can't totally control that. 
We could be holy and righteous and blameless and, and the world still think that we're doing something wrong. But the reality is we are called to live in such a way, and this is a whole other sermon for another day, but we're called to live in such a way that the world sees us and that's what they see. Holy and blameless. They may not understand it. They may not get it. They may not want it necessarily, but that's what they should, should see. Jeff Gorsuch says this, the question to ask at the end of life's race is not so much what I've accomplished, but whom have I loved and how courageously. See, that's what we're called, that's what we're called to do. When we love courageously, then the world sees in us holy and blameless. We're, we're chosen for sainthood. We're also chosen for, for sonship. Look at verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance to His will, His uh, His pleasure and will. Now, a little bit of context here. Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to a Gentile church. He's writing to people that understood it. They got it that they weren't part of the original plan. They weren't part of that original kingdom. Uh, the the Israel the, the the God of Israel that they were now serving was was the God of the Hebrews. He was the God of the Jews. And they weren't Jews. Their, their history, all that rich history of God doing miraculous signs and, and redeeming His people and saving His people and, and moving His people, all that history was their history, not the, the church at Ephesus, not the Gentiles' uh, history. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago in one of the sermons that we have, a, uh, we have four children, three sons and a, and a daughter. And our daughter is adopted. She came to live with us when she was 15 in foster care, and we adopted her after that. She, uh, one of her favorite things, one of the things that touched her the most when, when she was adopted was her name change. She was thrilled when she went back to school that day. We, we did the official process in the morning. She went back to school. And starting that day, when she wrote her name on a piece of paper, when when she turned in an assignment, it was no longer Crystal Pauling. Now it was Crystal Champ. She, she gained grandparents. She gained aunts and uncles. She, she gained a ton of cousins. She gained a history because she had been adopted. Paul is hammering this, this point. Have a blessed day because you've been adopted. Now, now let's make a note here. If you go back in, in verse 4, the, the last two words of verse 4 says this, in love he predestined us to be adopted. Uh, what, was, what was God's motivation for adopting the Gentiles? And in case you didn't catch it, I, I should have pointed this out. We are the Gentiles. Who are, unless you were born a Jew, uh, then, then the Paul's writing this letter to us. He's writing this letter to you as well. We were adopted into the, the family, into the history. And what was his motivation? His motivation was love. And how did he demonstrate that? Scripture's very plain about it. How did he demonstrate it? By the giving of his son. We, we looked at this last week, John 3.16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We are, we are adopted because God 
did it in love. And notice what he says, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Not only did God love us and adopt us, but he wanted to do it. It gave him pleasure to bring us into his family. Um, a third thing that we're chosen for, we're chosen for salvation. Look uh, uh, at the next verse there. Uh, start with verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We are redeemed. We have redemption. Redemption has this idea of being released from bondage with the payment of a price, and that price was the blood of Christ. In his book, Next Door Savior, Max Lucado tells a story. He was in a, a shop in LaGuardia Airport in New York City with his daughter, Sarah. And, th- and this is what he says. He says, the sign above the ceramic pieces read, Do not touch. But the wanting was stronger than the warning, and she touched, and it fell. By the time I looked up, Lucado says, 10-year-old Sarah was holding two pieces of the New York City skyline. Next to her was an unhappy store manager. Over them both was the written rule. Between them hung a nervous silence. My daughter had no money. The shopkeeper had no mercy. So I did what dads do. I stepped in. How much do we owe you? I ask. How was it, Lucado says, that I owed anything? Simple. She was my daughter, and since she couldn't pay, I did. See, we're, we're, we're chosen. We're chosen for salvation, for uh, sonship, for uh, sainthood. We're chosen. Paul goes on and, and hammers it, just in case we don't catch it in those, those first five or six verses, in case we don't really get this idea, have a blessed day because you're chosen for. Paul kind of hammers it in the second half of this section, in, in, uh, starting with verse 11. Let me read there. In him we were also chosen. Now, I will point out there, a better way to, to, uh, uh, to put that is that we're, we, we are heirs, uh, not just chosen, but we are heirs. Uh, we're chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with this purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and his uh, His glory. We are heirs with. We probably have some farmers here, and, and I'm... Since I don't know you, I'll just have to throw this out and guess. Are, are there any, uh, particularly farmers here today, that have inherited land, like from your, your dad or your grandparent? Any, you don't have any, any farmers inherit? Seriously, no, none of you inherited? Man, what's wrong with your parents? They didn't give you land? None of you? No. They're alive. Well, if they... If they Praise the Lord, they're still alive. <laughs> okay, maybe your parents inherited the land. Let's go with that. Your parents inherited the land. This is really blowing this illustration, by the way. Uh, but you probably know someone that inherited the land someday. Why did they inherit the land? 
Why, why did they give it to you? Or we'll give it to you someday. Why? Why you? Why not Pick? Pick's a nice guy. I mean, he's intelligent. He's good looking. Look how handsome he is. He's smart. I mean, Pick works hard here in the church, works with college kids. Why didn't they give it to Pick? Easy. He's not family. He's not an heir. And so, in case we didn't catch it at the first part, Paul wants to hammer it home again. He says, for this reason, or uh, he says that in him we were chosen, or in him we are heirs. We are part of the family. We're, we're heirs with a purpose. Now, notice what it says here. We, we actually saw this back in verse 6 too. In order that we, who were the first hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Go back up at verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. He's talking about we are adopted. We are heirs for a purpose. And what's that purpose? Because it made God happy. Once, uh, once we ad- adopted Crystal, one of, the, one of the things, particularly in that first, uh, first couple years, one of the things that we enjoyed uh, so much was introducing her as our daughter. We, we might run across someone that we uh, had went to college with or someone that we hadn't seen in a long time, old family, friends, or people we hadn't seen in a long time and, and, and uh, hadn't seen our kids in a long time. We, yeah, this is Brian and Joel, and, and this is Crystal, and this is... And, and it really was kind of funny at times because people would be, that might have known that we had three boys, you know, Brian, Joel, and this is our daughter Crystal, and this is Caleb, and you could see in their eyes like, man, I didn't remember they had a daughter, but, you know, like, oh, yeah, I remember Crystal, you know. But we loved to, to introduce, oh, we were so proud that we had a, a daughter. God has adopted us, God has made us heirs. He, in, in other words, he's brought us into the family. Uh, why? Because it makes him happy. You know, that's why God, God has offered you salvation, because it brings him pleasure, and it was his, his will. It goes on in verse 13 uh, and says this, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. A, a seal uh, conveys authenticity and ownership. When, when you're sealed, when that seal was given, in this case it's the Holy Spirit for us, it's saying you, you, you're, you're the real thing, you're the real deal, you belong to us. Hopefully no one, no one saw me bring this in, you might have been a little concerned. Here, here's a bottle, it might look like whiskey or something, but it's vanilla, uh, Mexican vanilla. Um, if you can see on the top, there's a rooster. The first time I went to Mexico, we went to the market, and the guy that led us on our trip, Scott Springer, said, uh, uh, and everyone was there, like, hey, we want to buy vanilla, we want to buy vanilla. Um, and Scott said, okay, get with me, and we, we will get some, but we're looking for one that has the rooster seal on it. If it's got a rooster, that's what you want. That's the good stuff. That's the real stuff. That's the authentic stuff. So every time we go back to the market, every time I lead a group there, and they want vanilla, I said, well, look for a bottle that has a rooster on it. Now, the truth is, this could be a fake rooster on here. I don't know. They might, they might have heard us Americans saying, hey, it needs a rooster, and so they tapped one on there. But, but I always look for the bottle that has the rooster, because that tells me it's the real stuff. It's, it's authentic. We are, we are given a, a seal, Paul says. One more, have a great day. 
uh, have a blessed day. Uh, I've sealed you with the Holy Spirit that says you are authentic. And one last thing, we are heirs with a, a payment. Verse 14 says, Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance? The Holy Spirit is the deposit that says it's going to be paid. Let me close here. I was, uh, was driving last week from Wichita back to St. Joe and stopped to get gas at the Emporia, uh, the North Emporia service uh, uh, tra- travel center there on the turnpike. He pulled up to the pump, got out and got ready to get gas, and there was a little handwritten note on the gas pump that said, a card reader broken, pay inside. I wanted a hassle. And I started to switch pumps, but all the pumps had cars at them, so, so I, I went inside and said, I need to fill up on pump seven. The guy says, well, how much do you want? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to fill up. I'd done this before. I'd had this happen before, so I knew, I knew what, was, what I needed to do. I already had my, my car, credit card in my hand, and I handed him the card. And, and he took it. He said, okay, go ahead and fill up. Ba- basically, what I was saying was, I'm good for it. You've got my credit card. I could have driven off. The guy would have just laughed at me and swiped the card, probably put a tip in there for himself, and, 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 and it would have been paid. But basically, when I hand him that card, I was saying, it's going to be paid. It's taken care of. It's good. And Paul says here, have a blessed day. It's, it's paid for. It, it's good. They're authentic. We're, we're chosen for sainthood, where God sees us as holy and blameless, and, and in, in reality we should see ourselves that way. We're, we're chosen for sonship. We're, we're adopted into the family. But, but there's, there, there's no stigma there. It's, it's 100% in the family. We're, we're, we're chosen for salvation, for forgiveness and redemption. And we're heirs with a purpose, a promise. And finally, that payment has been made. It's been covered. Let's pray. Father, we, we oftentimes struggle to, uh, uh, to accept the salvation that you've offered, the grace that you've offered so freely. Uh, but you hammered home today in your word that we are to have uh, a blessed day, that we're to be blessed by the knowledge that you've taken care of it all. You sent your son to demonstrate your love for us. Uh, you sent him to the cross, and he paid the price. That, that price then was guaranteed with the seal of the Holy Spirit, and that deposit says that it's all going to be paid in full. Father, we thank you this morning that when you see us, you don't see our failure, you don't see our, our sin, you don't see our mistakes. Father, you look past that and you see us as your sons and your daughters. You see us and we're beautiful in your sight. We're holy and blameless. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you have a decision that you need to share with the congregation, we'd invite you to come. Uh, maybe it's a simple one to say, you know what, I, I need prayer because I... I look at myself and I, all I'm seeing is the mistakes because everyone else here knows I'm making them too. Maybe you just need to come up and say, will you pray for me that I can have the strength to see myself the way God sees me so I can live for Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know that salvation. You, you haven't yet taken hold of what God has offered that, uh, that you've been chosen, that you've been 
given uh, sonship that you're a part of the family. If you need to come, stand. Come as we stand and sing.